Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. Today, we're doing a deep dive, so I encourage you to get your scuba gear together, get your oxygen mask, because we're going to dive deep into the soul, into the heart, and really talk about something that plagues a lot of us, and it is what we do with desire. What do we do when the thing that we want, that we long for, we just can't have? Or maybe it's that we can't have it or that we can't have it right now. Either way, it's incredibly frustrating. Maybe you're listening to this and you're single and the one thing you want more than anything is to have a life partner, to get married, to have someone that you can call home. Maybe you are married and you've been longing for a child. Maybe you are, you know, all good on the home front, but your career is leaving you with all types of longing and desire. I don't know the situation. I mean, it even could be something in your faith that you're longing for God to do. I think all of us are no stranger to the feeling of desire with God, wanting God to do something for us. I think one of the hardest things that happens when we talk about desire and longing is that we know, right, if you're a believer, then you probably have this fundamental idea, this belief that God can do anything. Now, we might actually acknowledge that sometimes he doesn't do anything, but we know that he can, right? We know he's holding the key to the door we're wanting opened. Maybe that is the the key to a healing that you need in your physical body. Maybe that is the the breakthrough that you need in your emotional you know, ecosystem. Maybe it's it's a relationship, whatever the case may be. Often, what's so difficult as believers is that we're looking at God who can and should, in a lot of ways, be meeting this need, and yet, for whatever reason, he's not. That feeling, that longing for the thing that we just can't seem to have, is a dangerous feeling for a believer. But I want you to know, it's a very normal feeling. It's a very normal feeling that people have in the kingdom. And I don't think we talk about it enough, maybe because honestly, sometimes it's embarrassing, right? When you know you have a desire for God to do something, sometimes we kind of take on this air of shame, like maybe we shouldn't have a desire because something's wrong with us or whatnot. Look, I want to talk for a moment about what desire even is, because I think this will help us move forward through this conversation. Desire is a doorway. It's a doorway that can lead you towards God, and it can definitely lead you away from God, right? Desire is like a seed. It is like the seed bed, even, in your soul where it wants something to grow in it. And so for the sake of today's episode, we're going to talk about desires that are not sinful, okay? So if you are struggling with sinful desires, go back a couple episodes and and uh, listen to Um, our episode about overcoming sin, and it'll give you some good tips for that. But today we're talking about healthy desires, things that aren't naturally bad for you, aren't necessarily even wrong at all, but for whatever reason, they're not right for you right now. That's the desire that we're talking about in this episode. Desire becomes like a doorway. And here's what I want you to understand. When God begins to move in our lives, it begins 
with desire. It always begins with a longing. Think about it like this. In the Godhead, right, we have the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a lot of jobs, and one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to reveal Jesus to people. And Jesus, one of his jobs is to reveal the Father. And I heard a pastor say this years ago. It has stuck with me, and I believe this so significantly. In fact, it is the Bible. It's what the Word says, that you cannot want to know the Father without knowing Jesus. It's Jesus. When you get to know Jesus, he begins to put desire in you to know the Father. He brings the revelation of the Father to you. And this pastor worded it like this. He said, the very fact that you want to know the Father, that you even have a desire to do that, is proof positive that Jesus wants you to know him as well. The desire is the confirmation that God is going to bring this into your life specifically speaking about knowing the Father heart of God. So if we look at desire as a doorway, how does that change our longing? How does that change the thing that we're wanting God to do for us? If we're talking about healthy desires and we're talking about desire being a doorway, then maybe the thing that you're wanting is something God wants to bring your way. I remember being in high school and I really struggled with what I wanted to do with my life. I think because in my heart, I knew I was called to ministry, but in my family at that time, there just wasn't really a grid for that. And I didn't really see a direction that God was taking me with it. And so I was trying to find like a consolation prize, right? So I thought for a while, maybe I would be, um, I don't know, like a, like just a stay-at-home mom. And then I thought maybe I would be in fashion merchandising. And then I thought maybe I would be, you know, in a management of some sort or maybe run a business and just, I mean, all over the place. When I was in high school, I had this crazy idea that I was going to be an actress. I used to close the door of my bathroom and hold up this trophy I got as a kid and pretend like I was accepting an Oscar or something for some amazing role. I mean, look, I can't be the only one that has ever done this, but I get it. It's incredibly embarrassing. I would try to learn how to cry on cue because I felt like that would be a good skill in my acting life, right? And I remember so distinctly one day just deciding in my heart, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. When I graduate high school, I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to go audition for something and surely the first thing I audition for, they're going to accept me and, and it'll be like smooth sailing. The next thing you know, I'll be super famous living a glamorous Hollywood lifestyle. And I mentioned to my mom, I was thinking about being an actress. And in my home, we were really big about pros and cons lists. And so my mom and dad set me down and my mom said, look, let's make a pros and cons list of what it would be like for you to be an actress. And the cons were growing rapidly and the pros were staying at about three or four different things. At the end of this time, I said, look, mom, you can't sway me. I want to be an actress. This is what I'm going to do. And my mom, being so supportive, said, well, here's what we're going to do then. We need to start you now. you got to start auditioning for plays. You need to start getting around people who, you know, do this kind of thing. you got to make this a part of your lifestyle if that's what you really want to do. you got to pursue it. And I went to my room that night and I was thinking, do I even want to pursue it? Right. I had that kind of Hollywood stardom idea that it would just fall in my lap and that's all that it would take. And I began to pray this prayer. God, if this isn't what you want for me, take the desire out of my heart so that I don't even want it. I don't even desire it. 
Well, it must not be what God wanted for me because within two days, all the desire I had had, all the passion, all the the idyllic, you know, pursuit in my soul was gone. It was like God quenched and squelched that desire. Desire is so important in our understanding of ourself. We have to ask ourselves, why do we long for the things we long for? What is God trying to set us up with? If you're desiring a specific gifting, if you're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you're saying, man, I wish I was more prophetic. Look, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that desire is there from God because the average person doesn't desire that kind of thing. If it helps you in growing in your relationship with God, you have to begin to look at desire as an entry point, a doorway into an encounter and a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Why am I wanting to do this, Lord? What are you wanting to do with it? But let's talk for a second about what happens when you do have that desire. You know it's from God, but he's just not doing what you want. I want to read to you for a moment Psalm 131. It's a short psalm, and it's something I've been meditating on a lot lately and and really felt like I needed to share with all of you. And this is what it says, Psalm 131 out of the Amplified Translation. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. Nor do I involve myself in great matters or things too difficult for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me, composed and freed from discontentment. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. When I was in high school, around the same time as the acting situation, I used to listen to this band called Waterdeep, and they had this song, and it was this psalm in a song. And it would sing, I would sing this regularly, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And I had no idea what that meant. But I want to share with you for a moment what that means for God to give an example to you and I of what it's like to be before him. If you've ever had kids or you've been around a nursing mother, a baby begins to understand that a woman's body produces milk. The woman's breast become the the avenue of sustenance, right? And so when a baby is nursing and the baby is laid on the mother's chest, if the baby is hungry, the expectation is that the mother's chest will feed the baby. It's a pattern, right? It's been happening. When a baby learns to wean, The hardest part is for the baby to come to terms with the fact that they want the milk, but they can't have it. How is it that God is describing what it's like to be before him using the picture of a weaned child? That you and I, with all of our desire, with all of our knowledge that God is the one who gives the thing that we want— Somehow we can find a way to continue to lay our head on the chest that should be supplying our desire and yet be content. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child resting with his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me, composed and freed from discontent. Maybe desire is also an opportunity to trust. 
Maybe desire is also an opportunity to have our relationship with God be the thing that satisfies, not what he does for us. His very presence being the place where we find contentment, not what he gives from his hand or from his chest. I don't know about you, but that's incredibly difficult for me to think about. When I'm longing for God to do something, I often begin to feel frantic, don't you? I begin to feel frustrated. I can move into anger at lightning speed. I've been doing some reflecting over the last year about some of the patterns in my life, and I'm kind of one of those people who uh, doesn't have a problem with anger, right? I mean, I, I'm very keen about in my anger, don't sin, but I, I know I'm going to feel angry at times. And as I was growing up, anger was a majorly go-to emotion for me. And what I began to realize was that sadness precludes anger, but a lot of us don't allow ourselves to feel sadness. A lot of us don't, don't allow sadness. We don't welcome sadness. We can't handle sadness. And so we bypass it straight to anger where we can blame, control, and try to take back some sense of autonomy. In sadness, we often feel like we're out of control. We often feel like we can't fix what's going on. It feels kind of hopeless. But in anger, anger feels like it has a forward motion to it. What does it look like to be like a weaned child before God? To me, I think a little bit of how it looks like is to embrace sadness as we lay and cuddle with God. As we let God comfort us in our sadness while he's not doing the very thing we know he would do that would make us happy. You and I, we're not designed to just be happy all of the time. That's not what life is supposed to be like. In fact, if, if you really study the Garden of Eden, it was not a utopian only happiness situation. There was work in Eden. There was pain in Eden, right? Physical pain. There, there, was, there were problems in Eden. But there were solutions and there was God's presence and the, the system of how we interacted with God was different. But now, through Jesus, through the reconciliation of his blood, we have this opportunity to experience the fullness of Eden again, to some degree. And in that, we have to make space for when our desire is not met, for when sadness plays a hand in our life. I wish so badly that life with Jesus was a cakewalk, that it was something that we knew there was always going to be a prize at the end, that it was going to be like skipping and frolicking through a field with no mosquitoes or snakes in the high grass. But that's not what life is. Life with Jesus is this dynamic, like eclectic smorgasbord of experiences and emotions, all of them lived out in the presence and communing with the presence of God himself. So like a weaned child, you and I are invited to learn how to calm and quiet our soul, how to not let anger get the best of us, how to be at peace, freed from discontent. To me, it looks like when I'm asking God to do something, right? And you know you're feeling a little bit of fear that he might not do it. And so that fear is causing you to have a little bit of trepidation, where, or maybe a lot, where you're, you're, you're fighting pulling back, you're fighting withdrawing from him, right? And in that moment, I'm calming and I'm quieting my soul and I'm looking at God and I am saying, I will lay my head at your chest 
I will hold your empty hand that's not giving me the thing I want because ultimately you yourself, Jesus, are the real prize. That nothing on earth is going to satisfy me anyway. And if I can calm and quiet my soul, I can connect with you in a way that will bring life into me. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Look, if you've ever tried to wean a child, it doesn't happen in one setting. It happens over time. Usually the mother experiences grief as well while she's knowing she can fix the child's anguish with just one nursing session, right? The mother is struggling. Sometimes the dad is also struggling. The baby is struggling. But we know the end goal is for our benefit. Not just the mother's, not just the child's, but the benefit of the whole family. When you and I learn to trust God in that way, when we know that whatever it is that he's doing is for our benefit, that's where we can lay our head on his chest. Knowing that you might not be providing for me in this moment the way I want you to, but if I will stay connected to you, I will receive the thing you are providing. This is why I'm so adamant about this question, God, who are you being to me today? Because sometimes we're looking at God in the proverbial nursing analogy he puts in Psalm 131. And we're saying, God, you are my provider and I need to be provided by you. I need you to provide for me. And the Lord says, but in this moment, I am your trust. In this moment, I'm not so much your provider, although I always will be, but I'm also your champion. I'm also your, your motivation to move forward. I'm also your inheritance. Like a weaned child is our soul within us if we choose to wean it. I don't know about you. I don't know what you're dealing with. 2021 for me has been a series of unfortunate events, <laughs> Lemony Snicket style or something. It's It's been one thing after the next that's been really hard. And even today, recording this episode, it's not going to air for a few weeks. I got another just bad report, some bad news going on in my life. And as I cried out to the Lord, I just kept coming back to this psalm. And what's ironic is that I already knew this was the episode I was going to record today. I just didn't know what was going to happen before I recorded it. And as I cried before the Lord, God, would you do this thing for me? I have to learn. I have to embrace. I have to become the weaned child that stays with you even if you don't. That's deep, friends. It's hard. It's the cost of following Jesus. But I am telling you, those who will pay that cost experience the glory of God. Those who will pay that price, who will pick up their cross and truly follow him, that will say no to the flesh and truly embrace life by the spirit, will find something in God that others won't. That's why I'm sharing this with you. I believe that that's your inheritance, to be a weaned child before the Lord, to be in that type of relationship with him. 
I want to end this episode just by praying for any of you guys that are experiencing a longing of desire and not understanding why God isn't answering it. Sometimes, and I will say just on a practical piece of advice, sometimes he's not answering it because the thing we think he's going to do is his method he's not going to use. Sometimes God chooses to use doctors to heal, for example. Even though he can heal supernaturally, sometimes it is his choice to use a doctor to heal. Other times it's not his choice to use a doctor to heal. He wants to heal supernaturally. That's just one example. We can't get so pigeonholed on the thing we think God is going to do that we miss him in the process. I think that's what this scripture is all about, right? God, I'm not going to be so distracted by the fact that you're not feeding me that I miss you in this moment. So, Father, we want to be like weaned child, like weaned children with you, where we are so comfortable being with you even when you're not doing all the things that we want you to do that we love you, that we trust you, that we embrace you in that place. Father, we want to know what it means to commune with you. And Lord, we thank you for the desires of our heart. We thank you that you do place desire as an opportunity to come closer to you. And so for my friends that are listening to this, that have been wondering what to do with these inklings of desire, Lord, I pray you pour out the fire of motivation on them to chase it and go after it in you, to come closer to you and experience you in those places. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.